Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this, the podcast known right now, anyways, as I'll name this football pod later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. My name is Sheldon Alexander. Thank you guys again for tuning in. And I'm joined for week two once again with my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, sports betting professional and host of the Window Sports Betting Podcast. Mr. Russell, how are you doing, my dude? Excellent, man. Really, really enjoyable week one, profitable week one, which is sort of hand in hand in its enjoyability, of course, Um, but good to have football back. And for some reason, I'm more excited this Thursday than I was last Thursday. There was a lot going on, right? We did the podcast. I was in a Vegas hotel room, (laughs) 7 a.m. local time, 10 my clock, like there's all kinds of stuff going on. I didn't even bet the game. And this week, you know, and of course you're nervous about week one and how that's going to go. We haven't seen anything from anybody. And now it's like we got some, uh, you know, we're in the groove, right? Doing our thing Sunday night, Monday, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, now it feels like the season's actually happening. I didn't know, and we kind of talked about it last Thursday. I was kind of excited for the season to come back. But then once Sunday hit and I had like all the screens up and, you know, red zones up, I got this game up, I got that game up. I was like, ah, this feels good. Right? Yeah, that Sunday like, one, that Sunday at 12.55 just hits different, right? Exactly, exactly. So now we're on to week two, though. And in the NFL, and you know, what we try to do here, of course, is try to arm you with some information for however you plan to gamble on this weekend's events. But we also try to poke some holes in some gambling narratives. And a big, 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 big one is to not overreact to week one. But I got to be honest with you here. There's one that's a little too easy to overreact to just because it's so juicy. So I got to start here. Bill Belichick won, Tom Brady zero, (laughs) right? That's right. The the Pats are still the Pats. Brady's washed. What's going on? What did you grab from last week's games and just kind of how those games played out? And what do you take forward with that heading into week two? Yeah, one of my favorite uh, mainstream personalities uh, in in the U.S. is Ryan Rosillo, and he sort of has this sort of sarcastic element to him that I really enjoy. And one of the things that he was doing, he started doing after last week was the power ratings, and it's really just Brady okay. and Belichick, right? And so, like, <laughs> Belichick is number one, and Brady is number two. And okay. I think the point of that, of course, is that it's going to toggle back and forth throughout the season, because that's just the way these two teams are built, right? And for me going in, I was like, all right, what's the sort of different variance, the different polar opposites that could potentially happen here with the Patriots team? And to me, that was pretty tight, right? Like you weren't going to see an atrocious defensive team. You weren't going to see a team that was like taking all kinds of penalties and doing ridiculous stuff, all of the hidden stuff right? They do really well. And that was the case. And they sort of systematically went through and they beat Miami. With the Bucks. right? Everybody was just throwing money at the Bucks <laughs> plus three and a half, right? Oh, we got that hook. We got that hook. Right? <laughs> I'm raising my hand for it. the listeners. I'm, li- yeah, I'm raising absolutely. my hand. <laughs> That's what I'm at. And, and I know you were that. And I tried to sort of do my best to be like, listen, like, I, you know, I can't predict the future. I don't necessarily know here, but I'm going to be looking for New Orleans minus three here mm-hmm. if that number comes down with all the public money. And then what happens was 4.15 rolls around. I go, okay, let's see what the line is here. Let's see what we've got. And it was up 
to four and four and a half. And I'm like, Ooh. yep, people were just like, you know what? We're not waiting around any longer for three. We're taking this three and a half, pushing it up to four, and in some cases, four and a half. And so I just waited. I was like, that's fine. Tampa scores the first touchdown, and then boom, I was in for the live right there, uh, live money line for the Saints. So as far as the game was concerned, didn't look all that different from Bucks games of the past, right? A pick <laughs> six from uh, Tom Brady, which of course was his last throw with the Patriots, you'll recall mm-hmm. at the end of that playoff game against Tennessee. And so you're sitting there going like, oh, okay, maybe maybe it's sort of contagious. I shouldn't say that we're <laughs> at this day and no, age. No, 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 maybe, I got you. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. Um, I wouldn't worry too much necessarily about Tampa just yet, right? Like, mm-hmm. again, and we'll talk about this throughout the schedule, you know, these week one scheduling spots to go to the, one of the best teams, a team that, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't drunk on continuity last week, but one of these teams that did have continuity and didn't have to practice all that much relative to sort of the other opponents and the, the other teams in the NFL. And so you've got this Bucks team that's like pretty new and all that kind of thing. We're not really sure what we're going to get here. There's going to be some communication issues potentially against a team that's, you know, could roll out of bed and run most of their offense. And it was already a very good defensive team. So I'm not taking anything away from the Bucks at this point in time. Yeah. I feel like it was kind of a thing where there's so much hype obviously going in and I love the discussion about the public and how the public was just going to throw money on the bucks going in because of said hype and Jameis all I could think of was Jameis on the sidelines just watching like hey I could have done that (laughs) I could have thrown these picks but it was a meme that went around with him looking into the into into what used to be the clipboard and of course is now the the uh the iPad. What is it, an iPad? Yes. Yeah, it was um, something else for a while there, Surface, and I think they got rid of those. They got a oh, new yeah. deal. Oh, yeah, they upped their game. But yeah. in, in reality, a couple things to look at from that game is obviously Mike Evans wasn't – like there's a lot of – uh, will he be okay? Is he even going to play? And they didn't really go to him that much, which isn't normally what we expect to see from the Bucks' offense, right? So – you add in another week of practice, another week of everyone getting to getting used to each other in comparison to, as you just said, the Saints just, hey, this is what we do. This is kind of our offense. Taysom Hill is going to bounce around all over the place. And it showed. But as we look to week two, we got the Bucks. If we keep this Brady versus Belichick thing going. <laughs> sure, the power ratings. You got the Bucks minus nine at home to the Panthers. And I got to be honest with you, I look for the Bucks' offense to bounce back, but nine is a lot of points. Am yeah. I wrong there? You're not wrong, and there's a very you know, reasonable reason that it's, it's nine, nine and a half, and that's strictly mm-hmm. for teaser liability, right? So this number opened at seven and a half. Yeah. And so in the NFL, you know, we talked about it, I think, a little bit last week, but it is something that if you are, you know, you've transitioned to online betting, mm-hmm. It's something that you need in your your arsenal, so to speak. And that's to be able to tease teams um, by six points and to do it in a very specific way. And one of those specific ways, really the only specific way, is to get as many key numbers as possible, right? Three, six, and seven. Well, if the number is seven and a half, which I think you'd say is like, oh, that's actually more of a reasonable number, right? Mm -hmm. If that number is seven and a half or even eight and a half, a six-point teaser knocks it down to two and a half 
Well, everybody in town is at that point going to be teasing <laughs> the Bucks down to two and a half, right? Anything under a field goal, you're getting the key numbers at that point. So the sports would see this and it took them no time at all to be like, all right, we are moving this thing up to nine where now your tease number is down to three. And if it lands on a field goal, right, it's a push and there's sort of no damage done type of a thing. And from a game regular point spread standpoint, nine is a pretty dead number right? Yeah. Eight and a half, nine, like you, there's not a ton difference. If you saw that go to 10, then I think that's a point where you go, okay, like by obligation, I have to bet <laughs> the Panthers here. But we yeah. talked about, you know, the scheduling element, right? The, you know, okay, maybe Mike Evans a little bit more healthy, right? Because he was questionable coming into the game. I don't think that is really the issue. I think swapping the Saints defense out for the Panthers ah, defense out is okay. the big issue and the big game changer when it comes to the Bucks success and how they look going forward in this game. Because the Panthers defense is atrocious. There yeah. was no punting whatsoever in that Oakland Carolina game. One of the few games that I unfortunately got wrong by one point that was, you know, essentially due to an extra point miss earlier in the game kickers and Damn so kickers. we'll get there <laughs> yeah so so you're looking at this tampa team you're going like they're going to look a lot better against the panthers defense because Derek carr not exactly known for like hucking it deep right no. is very similar at this point to the tom brady that we're getting right now in the sort of short intermediate passing game now they need both of those guys on the outside right godwin and evans to be able to get those sort of jump ball fade route type of things that tom likes to do uh so those are key elements of course but that's just the explanation for why that spread seems a little bit high and why it might not be the worst thing to to bet it to actually yeah. take to actually go bucks minus nine it's interesting you say that too because the other side of it that i was thinking is the panthers and teddy two gloves their offense could they even, like, if this turns into, hey, this is the Brady and the Bucks offense that we kind of expect to see going forward, can Teddy Two Gloves keep up? Because if their offense is this dink and dunk and running game with McCaffrey, but Brady's out here just bombing it, I don't think the Bucks can cover and keep up with that offense, no? Well, that's the thing, right? And, and it is sort of a two ships passing in the night type <laughs> yes. of a thing where you go, okay, now on the flip side, right? Carolina's offense that I'm actually, you know, have been pretty high on in general for the season and nothing that happened last week sort of took me off of them, um, you know, in general, despite, you know, with the exception of the fact that they didn't give it to Christian McCaffrey on fourth and inches, which I, you know, saw in my nightmares for a couple of days after. And, you know, so while we talk about the Bucks trading the Saints defense as an opponent for the Panthers defense, it's the same thing here, right? Oh. The Raiders defense is out and the Bucks defense is in, and that's not ideal for the Panthers. Add in the fact, right, and we're going to talk about this a ton too because it pops up basically in every game, we're going from road to home and home to road, right? Bucks going from the road to home and the Panthers going from home to the road. So all of this stuff sort of, you know, kind of, again, ships passing in the night type of a thing where, you know, again, all of that adds up to you want to buy low on Tampa in some way, shape or form right now. I'm loath to like, just give away that many points yeah. in the NFL. And I'm certainly not necessarily going to do that. Right. I'm not betting. 
I'm not going to be on minus nine, minus nine and a half, right? I'm right. just saying like back the truck up here a little bit and be a little bit more worried about the potential for Carolina to get potentially blown out here. Yeah. Well, I got you. I got you. Uh, just in terms of gambling theories here, because we're so close to one of those key numbers at it being 10, do you buy into the theory of, you know, there's a lot of people that say whenever you see the double digit points, take the points just as like a hard set rule. Or are you kind of like, no, I don't believe in the hard set rule and everything's going to be different depending on the teams. <laughs> I am. I mean, hard set rule is never, not, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't enter my vocabulary, right? If you listen like to the it. podcast, like I know I've never said the word lock other than Drew Lock or like <laughs> maybe aggressively sarcastically talking about the betting industry and the new sports media and all of that kind of thing. I don't say yeah. it in any way, shape or form in like a real way. So for me, I don't, I don't, there isn't that rule, but I do love getting points for in sure. the NFL in basically any situation, right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, like I said, like if it goes to 10, it will be a obligation, what I sort of call like a level one tier one type of a bet where it's like, okay, like obligated to at least throw something on this because 10 by and large is too high unless your quarterback for the underdog is just a complete atrocity, which Teddy Bridgewater is not, right? So the back door will be open, mm -hmm. you know, in all likelihood, it's just a matter of them being able to walk through that, but it's just not something I want to bet on, right? Because if I don't think the team can win, like mm -hmm. Tampa Bay for me is, an, is very eligible for a survivor pick this week, because I don't necessarily think the Panthers are going to win this game. And if I don't think they can do that, and I'm now hoping that it's a 10 point late game late, and maybe they get a field goal or a 14 point game, like I'm not going to be betting that going in. I gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, sticking with the theme here, Brady versus Belichick, the week two matchup for the Pats plus three and a half in Seattle. I'm going to say a couple things here. Okay. Sure. If you know me, you know, I love me some cam, right? I'm all here for cam and Belichick and seeing uh, cam and uh, what's my guy's name. What's their offensive coordinator? Why am I, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels. Yeah. smiling and dapping on the sidelines. I was like, hey, I'm here for all of that. But I'd need to see the Pats offense against someone other than the Dolphins. I'm not saying the Dolphins defense is trash, but I just need to see them against someone else other than the Dolphins. But do they have enough to keep up with Seattle, whose offense last week, and I know it's the, the Falcons, but Russ was balling last week. I hate the extra half point for the Seahawks, but I'm leaning Seahawks. Well, on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. Um, you know, listen, I'm high on the Seahawks, right? Uh, if we get into sort of any MVP, MVP debate at any point mm -hmm. in time, um, I, I'll have a ton to say about him. That being said, right, it's, first of all, like this line was four and a half. This line has been Ooh. four and a half since the spring. I was actually able to get a little bit of a five that sort of popped up, made a cameo appearance, was able to get five. Not necessarily a critical number usually in the NFL, sort of historically yeah. speaking. But if it gets to a point where a team needs to make a two-point conversion mm -hmm. to make that seven, right? That's mm -hmm. where it comes in, where you're now sort of like, okay, I really need them to miss this two-point conversion. <laughs> so for me, I, I grabbed the five, like I said, uh, you know, four and a half, of course is good Four. now we're getting into three and a half. So in general, that sort of goes against my policy of getting the worst of the number, right? Yes. Like I tweet out on Monday, like this is what I'm already on yeah. by and large. That stuff is usually still available on Monday. And again, it'll pop up throughout this, this podcast, but 
for me, I just think this one's super close because as much as I like the Seahawks, you don't have a home field advantage. They were a bad against the spread home field advantage team anyway. And, you know, now you've got a team that the Patriots, what they do travels, right? This isn't sort of the high octane throw it around offenses that can get bothered by the road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously noise and all of that stuff comes into that. And of course, there's none of that here as well. And so will they be able to do their thing where they run the ball? They're going to keep this thing to a sort of a short, you know, game, right? As little possessions as humanly possible. And you go, okay, well, are, are the Seahawks able to stop this? And for me, I haven't necessarily seen anything from the Seahawks defense that would indicate that that's the case, right? Jamal Adams was incredible was against all the over the field, man, all, all over the field. My guy had 12 tackles, a sack. And it's like, he's a safety. So, <laughs> but Belichick knows that, right? And Belichick can trick stuff up that can take advantage of a guy who is theoretically potentially capable of playing out of position, right? Mm-hmm. And for sort of taking risks from a defensive standpoint. And so for me, between running the ball and playing defense, which, you know, we talked about last week with the 49ers, like you need to do both of those things to be able to work your, your plan. Yeah. I think that they're still able to do that against a Seahawks team. And from an offensive standpoint, the Atlanta Falcons defense is going to make a lot of guys look <laughs> really, really good, especially from a pass standpoint. Yeah. And the Seahawks didn't do a very good job running against that defense. And so they were pretty one dimensional, which was okay against the Falcons. Again, that was a top five play for me last week. Yeah. And I don't think the Patriots are going to just like let that happen. Right. Where you got Stephon yeah. Gilmore and all those guys. And just in general, the Belichick plan from a week to week standpoint. So for me, I'm pretty comfortable and cozy with my four and a half, five. Once okay. we get it down to three and a half, like I'm a lot more dicey about it. Cause there is that situation where you get into a three, four, three, four game outcome type of thing. And yeah. I just think you get as many points as you possibly get here. And I wouldn't be stunned if the Patriots won the game. It's just hard for me to be like three and a half, totally good. When again, it was four and a half earlier in the week, but that, that number moving the way it did, that's an indication of something out there. Of something for sure. And I kind of like, you know, the way that we're going to talk about this going forward, just because, you know, obviously you're coming at it from being able to see this is where the number started. This is where the number is, but you know, a lot of the people that are going to listen to this or kind of like your, I don't want to say amateur, but beginner or as I always rep. Yeah. The recreational, the pro line posse, you know what I mean? Yeah. That are, that's just coming in on like the Thursday or Friday and seeing, Oh, what's the lines here yeah. when they see that line. It's interesting to me in, in this game, because the way that you just described, it goes back to what I was saying. That extra half point then becomes so valuable in terms of three to three and a half but coming in armed with the knowledge of, well, it started at four. Right. And so this is where the money's going. This is the side it's on. That's what I love about being able to have this conversation and break those things down. Right. Because no, go on. on. Oh, when, when the whole Cam Newton thing happened, like back in, well, I guess that was March. Right. I literally had this game circle. Like I did a sort of reaction podcast because there wasn't a ton else to talk about. So I did this sort of reaction podcast and I was like, you know what, week one, when they're going to be favored by a touchdown against Miami, like that's one thing, but where I think there's going to be a ton of value is week two. So I've had this thing. And like, again, we talk about sort of knowing your own bias. I have a bias because I've had this thing circled since March. Right. And you know, since then, my opinion of the Seahawks has gone up, obviously, Jamal Adams being, you know, added to the mix and sort of getting deeper into the metrics from from last season has, you know, made me like Seattle a lot more. 
So I didn't love it maybe as much as I did in March, but like that's when the seed was planted for me way back in March. I got you. I got you. Uh, Was there another, you know, was there something else from last week that I shouldn't overreact to just too much? Because I got, I got something else, but okay. Cause my one thing is, should I not overreact to Kyler Murray and Deandre Hopkins? Just like, running roughshod over the Niners defense, which, which in fairness, last week we did kind of, you know, tell people to pause a little bit on the Niners, but should I be overreacting to how good Kyler Murray looked last week? Yeah, I'm going to check you on this. I was telling you to pause and, and, and back it up on the 49ers and you were on it, you were on it, but I mean, like, but yeah, like we, it sort of worked out how we kind of said it was, right? And it's not mm-hmm. going to be all, it's not always going to be that easy because we yeah, talked yeah. about, you know, the run game and the defense being tied together and sort of our concerns about both of those things kind of being the same as they were last year. And it took all of basically essentially two quarters, really three quarters for that to kind of work out. Yeah. Now, you know, would I overreact to that? No, but in part it's because it wasn't a surprise to me, right? Like people mm-hmm. overreact to things that are surprises to them, right? And so we were on the Arizona money line. We were on the Arizona plus six and a half, even after it went down to seven. Like, even though I didn't get the best of the number and that it crossed the key number of seven, I was still like, doesn't matter, taking the Cardinals, like in contest play, all of that stuff, the, the most important stuff that I do. And so <laughs> for me, it's like, no, I'm not going to overreact because, you know, the Cardinals did what I thought they would do, right? They run at a, at a pace that they want to run at, which is very quick, right, mm-hmm. to tire teams down in the second half. And that's where they sort of pulled away and took advantage of the 49ers. From the 49ers standpoint, we talked about the wide receivers being a bit of an issue and the defense being not necessarily as good as we thought it was last year based on the narrative buildup, right? We mm-hmm. talked about the Super Bowl, how it was like totally. Mahomes versus the defense. And I was like, I mean, the defense is good, but is it really that great? And yeah. so nothing was really all that surprising for me. Now, the good news for the 49ers, right, is they go and they play the Jets, who I am, you know, I have mentioned as a candidate and nothing changed from last week as the worst team in the entire league. Right. And I heard a lot of people talking about how the jets might be decent and I'm like, where are you seeing this? Right. That's a team with a bad coach and a bad organization and a really young quarterback who gets absolutely no help. And so, yeah, they're going on the road and that can be sort of a very dangerous thing here, but I like a motivated 49ers team and it's a bit square, admittedly, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the betting percentages are heavy on San Francisco, which is sort of a tread lightly type of a deal. But I grabbed San Francisco minus six and a half. It has made its appearance back up to seven. And obviously at seven, it becomes a completely different issue because you now have to win by eight. Well, teams don't really win by eight, as we talked about. They don't really win by nine. So now they got to win by 10. So, you know, you're sort of playing the like, kind of feels like the best case scenario in that, not the best case, but like a scenario, a high probability scenario would be that it lands exactly on seven and you push. So we're asking a lot of San Francisco here in this game going forward, but they're playing the right team to get things back on track. And as far as the Cardinals are concerned, love it love everything they're doing. And the worst thing that happened for the Cardinals is their number one pick Simmons wasn't particularly good. And that's a guy that I loved watching playing at Clemson last season. And I feel like he is going to be good. And it was more San Francisco's design on their offense that sort of confused him a little bit when it comes to coverages. And that's only going to get better from there, from a defensive standpoint for the Cardinals. As I look at this Niners uh, matchup with the Jets, it's almost like, an organizational cover, 
if that makes sense. Okay. Like yeah. the Shanahan, yeah, like Shanahan is going to have things set up. And the big takeaway from last week, and one of the things you asked me was, do you trust Jimmy G to make plays when he has to, to either right. cover or win a game? And the quote was, I am not about that life <laughs> and nothing that happened last week changed that, yeah. right? Like I've yeah. watched Jimmy G enough to know that if he has to win the game, I don't feel comfortable in that situation. But luckily enough, going in against the Jets, you know, Kittle's banged up, no Richard Sherman. They still have no receivers. But, hey, the Jets playing the role. I'm willing to take this as an organizational cover, and Shanahan is just going to scheme it, and the Jets get out of here. I could see this being a blowout. This, for me, I'll be honest, is a candidate for Survivor this week, which we'll get to later on. But I'm saying it's a candidate just because – I'd be stunned if the Jets won, even though they're at home, just because of how bad they looked. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's nothing, there's no sign of promise that I saw from the Jets last week. None. Yeah. And, and I talked about it in my preseason previews. It's like, all right, one of the fundamental things is like, do they know what they're doing? And that's an organizational <laughs> coaching, yeah. all of that. And, right, and are they giving me the signs that would indicate that they know what they're doing? And mm-hmm. the Jets are certainly a team that has given no indication that they know what they're doing. And the 49ers are a team that by and large does know what they're doing. And so yeah. to me, that's a good combination. And when you go back to last week, even the Niners were in position to win that game. It's just yeah. Jimmy needed to make like a couple more plays and you win. But instead... Kyler Murray's here, and that's the X factor of what you talk about, a quarterback that is a manager or someone who can actually make plays and win games, and more importantly, cover spreads to win us money. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And Kyler Murray, back-breaking runs, right? And we love mobile quarterbacks against the spread love them and that's exactly why and sam darnold is not that either right so you don't Definitely. that's just an element that you don't have to worry about from a defensive standpoint too for sure and deandre hopkins looking great that was just amazing that i mean not that we were or anyone was kind of negative on them going out and getting one of the best receivers in the league right. but him putting up the stats i love it yeah. uh so other than this week, because it was week one and we're talking about overreacting to week one, normally I would like to start this pod every week with what we learned from last week. Okay? Yeah. And uh, one of the things, one of the things that I know I learned was yeah. I'm going to continue to listen to you when you talk about certain theories, one of them being the Jags. And we were heavy about the conversation about the Jacksonville Jaguars and people kind of piling on them in terms of, are they one of the worst teams in the league and the whole narrative of tanking? And you did a great job of debunking that, but also bringing up the fact that teams going to play in Florida in September, all of those things came, came to fruition last week. But as we look at the Jags this week, plus nine, again, we're, we're sitting here looking at another number where it's like, Hmm, Interesting. How do you see those, all of those narratives kind of playing in into this week's Jags plus nine against the Titans? Yeah. And, and, and we don't need to take a ton of time on this necessarily. Cause no. you do tell, you know, you tell me beforehand, right. If I don't have anything or I'm not like all about this game, like we yeah. can pass. I yeah. will say though. So for me, I grabbed the look ahead line. There was some uh, available at plus 11 before Woo. Tennessee 
played on Monday night. And listen, I was on the Broncos plus two and a half plus three uh, on Monday. And, you know, you could make the case we got away with one there, but part of the handicap was their kicking was atrocious. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was like plus 11 and a half on a team that at least, and listen, that game was strange, right? That Colts Jags game. That made us look really good in that they won outright. It wiped out a ton of survivor, you know, entrants in different survivor pools. And that was awesome. They didn't, you know, that game was a win because it was weird. That game was a cover (laughs) because like the the line was just too high, right? And so you kind of have to differentiate between sort of full on upset versus like just the line being too high, right? That's probably more like a seven point, four point type of game for the Colts. They didn't play all that bad, right? Phil Mm -hmm. Rivers did Phil Rivers things where he (laughs) threw key interceptions, but his metrics actually were really, really good. Mm -hmm. And that can segue us to sort of the, the, Colts Vikings game where I actually really like the Colts this week because you know the Jags tricked him a couple of times on defense and yeah he's susceptible to that occasionally but by and large like his offense and him he himself was quite efficient Mm -hmm. and they did actually quite well from a metric standpoint the turnovers were a killer and defensively you know they weren't able to stop the key plays right and in any game there's like four or five high leverage plays or results of plays that change these games right and a 60 80 play game on either side of the ball it really just comes down to three or four plays and so when he was throwing these interceptions and that they weren't able to keep the jags out of the end zone when they got into the red zone that was the key to the entire game being a full-blown upset does that mean i think the jags are good no no, um, but if I was willing and kind of how we talked about with the double digit thing. It was like, you're going to give me 11. I'm going to take that because there's no way that ends up being 11, right? I'm going to get what's called closing line value on that, right? I'm going to get a better number than what it closes at. And sure enough, when it reopened after Tennessee looked eh, okay on Monday night, it goes down, it passes through 10, it goes to nine. And you know, now you're going, okay, well, Tennessee on a short week, right? They have to travel home, you know, like how prepped and ready are they going to be? And when you're going to give up that many points before the game has even started, you know, that's not ideal. I'm going to stay away from fading the Jags from a survivor standpoint. Yeah. Just because, you know, like if they are better than I think they are, right? If that offense is more efficient, you know, and I'm still even relatively high on the Jags. So, you know, Mm -hmm. factor that in. But like, I'm just going to sort of let them do stuff for a while. And if they want to knock off the Titans this week, I'm completely cool with that. I'm not going to be betting that money line. I'm not going to be betting, you know, I'm not going to be taking, you know, whatever. But like, I'll take my 11 points and I'll just sort of see what happens when it comes to that game. But I love the read of, you know, last week's line was proving that it was a little too high, right? In terms of just the disrespect of the Jags for whatever reason, right? Not saying they're good, but whatever it is that people are looking at, it's way too much disrespect, but mixing that in with Philip rivers doing Philip rivers things. And that's (laughs) how you had that outcome. I love how you sum that up because it's, it's, it's just perfect in that sense. Right. So I I'm, I'm with you here and I'm kind of on this tip where I still like the points even at nine, just because the way that I'm, the way that I'm looking at it is I'm still looking at the Jags still being this team that we're perceiving to be way worse than they are. But you mentioned the Titans and speaking of the Titans, another thing I learned from week one is I still hate kickers, <laughs> right? Me and you both. <laughs> like, Me and you both. 
couldn't they not just ban kickers from the NFL? Like, what purpose do kickers serve? Like, who's there, like, waiting for the game, and the game's going on, and then it's like, oh, yeah, the kicker's coming out. Great. Awesome. Tennessee's like, best I don't get success it. last year was when they just stopped kicking field goals because they realized <laughs> they couldn't do it. And I talked about it in my preview about how, you know, first of all, I made a point, and I think I talked about this on the show last week, but I made a point in my preview to mention the kicker for mm-hmm. every single team because it's yeah. a thing that we do not factor in the way that we should because of the way that missed kicks are turnovers, right? It's beyond, oh, they just didn't get the three points. It's the expected points that they're giving up based on field position two, right? And so every play in a game has an expected points average, right? Like if you're first and goal at the one, you have a expected points level. That's probably pretty close to six, right? If you're, if you are your own one, you are at like a minus level because the results (laughs) of this drive are more often going to be that the other team scores the next point, right? For sure. And so when you're giving up the, when you're missing these (laughs) field goals, you're giving up all of this not only the expected points from making the field goal, but you're giving up field position that is going to add on. So it's not just a three-point swing. It's a yeah. 4.2 swing. It's a six-point swing sort of in, in the, it, at the max, but like field it's position, a really, it's a really big a deal. But yeah, and it doesn't qual- we don't quantify it into the turnover category when we really should. And so when I talked about the Titans, I looked at their, th- their field goal percentage from last year, and I'm like, 47%? Like, how is that possible? And then I'm like, and I literally said, and I, and I sort of tweeted out this, you know, the clip on Monday night as this was all happening. And I'm like, I was wrong. It, it could yeah. actually get worse than 47%. And they ended up what winning you- the game, ironically, on a field goal and kicking, what, 25%. So it was worse than 47%, but it was still enough for them to get the win. Well, hold on. Part of what I plan to do on this pod is reveal my devastating gambling moments as you would enjoy every, every Monday or Tuesday when we used to work together and I'd come in and be like, and you would laugh because I'd have just these devastating gambling things. Cause I don't know about key numbers. I don't know about that. This is why we're here to learn. Right. Yeah. But the, I switched my pick last week to the Titans, like going into the, to the two Monday nighters. Right. Okay. I was on Denver switched to the Titans at minus three. That's, that's all I'm going to say there. Yeah. Right? And, and, and listen, three. I, I preach it on my show. I'll, we'll be, we're going to be preaching it all, all year. It's like price matters, right? Mm-hmm. And getting the best of the number matters. And also be, sure. just having the discipline to walk away if mm-hmm. you're not getting the best of the number and you're not willing to sort of change your mind, so to speak. Yeah, right? yeah, and so yeah, understanding, yeah. especially in week one, that these lines have been up since March, April, May, et cetera, and that Denver was a one-point favorite. And yes, circumstances changed with regards to injuries that moved that line up yeah. to three. But like that's the stuff that when you're trying to hit 55% here, over 100 plays, if you're taking one from what should be a win to a loss, right? Now you're going yeah. 54, 46 and you know, you're really starting to get tight to that 52% number where if you go 52%, you're going to end up losing money over the course of the season. And so ah. you can't, you just, you can't give away, especially a key number like three, to be completely yeah. honest with you. But like you just, every point matters. Key numbers matter even more. And mm-hmm. there's nothing more key than three. And so listen, you didn't have to bet Denver necessarily no. 
but you can't bet Tennessee at minus three at that point. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's the thing too, right? Like when I'm saying I'm betting these numbers, like I put out all my picks, right? And I know uh, you were laughing and joking around, making fun of, hey, publicly making picks. How, yeah. how wrong could that go? <laughs> this is exactly how wrong it can go. Yeah. So I'm not, I didn't lose money betting on Tennessee, sure. but I'm saying in terms of like, here are my public picks for this week. Right? Right. It's just like, yeah, and it's all it all counts, God. right? At that at oh, the end of the year, sure. if that happens once every second day, or excuse me, every second week, right? That's yeah. eight to nine that are going from the win column to the L column, and oh, that's going to totally. change your record a great deal. Totally, totally, totally. But in the end, the lesson is kickers suck. That's all. Yeah, man. <laughs> but again, at least in this case, yeah. it was like, and I know it's a different kicker, of course, mm-hmm. but it's. Like we knew that if there was one team for whatever reason that was susceptible to this, it's the Tennessee Titans. And until they get a reliable kicking game in generally, right? That's all the operation. That's line play, that's snap, that's hold, all of it. Now in this case, it seemed like Guskowski just flat out missed them all. But Mm -hmm. until they sort of show you that they can do it, that has to be factored in. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Something else that I learned from week one is the MVP race might still go through Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Now, Mahomes didn't have like a crazy big week at all, but Lamar Jackson was out here balling for sure. And as I look at both of those offenses, the lines heading into week two, you got Chiefs minus nine in LA and then the Ravens minus seven against the Texans. Both of those, you know, when you're talking about a touchdown, but you're talking about, again, the key number in terms of Ravens at seven, I'm very confident in taking both of those offenses probably up until 10 points against most teams in the NFL. Okay. I'm kind of going to ride with that until proven otherwise. And I see you kind of looking like you're kind of crazy, but tell me why I'm crazy because I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, so in, in normal circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. The, the idea of taking a road favorite mm-hmm. of, frankly, of any kind, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. mainly of over mm-hmm. seven points against two teams that are fully functional, by the way. Yes. Like, we're not talking about the Jets here, where <laughs> it's a Monday night game, and you're just sitting there, it's 23 to nothing, and you're like, there's just no way they're going to score any points, or, you know, like that type of thing. And so for me, I, like, I, you know, first of all, I push back on the road of the MVP, because I think my best bet that I've made, and it's been, it's week one. So like everybody calm down, yeah, yeah. but the best bet that I made is Russell Wilson, eight to one to win the MVP, because to Love me, value. the first week power rankings of the MVP, Russell Wilson right now, I think is, you know, the, in the head of the class at this point, that being mm-hmm. said, uh, Listen, I've got to tell you, I really like the Texans this week, plus seven at home. Because again, right, like you're going to look bad against the Chiefs on the road. That's just a thing that's going to happen, right? That shouldn't surprise anyone. And I don't necessarily love the Texans. We talked about, you know, last week, how I wasn't, you know, sold on them necessarily and was able to sort of avoid losing money on betting them by not betting the game at all. And I talked about it on my show, like Bill O'Brien's just going to Bill O'Brien himself around, right? <laughs> but they are still pretty good, right? Like they still yeah. have some talent. And, you know, I'll talk about this when it comes to the game on uh, Thursday night. But, you know, Baltimore, that was a little cosmetically impressive for them. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I don't, I, like, again, it's home to road, right? A team, a pretty disorganized team in the Browns against a Texans team that, like, has its flaws, don't get me wrong, but, like, 
has a sort of MVP caliber quarterback in and of themselves, right? They've got some extra time to prepare, right? They were sitting around watching that game on Sunday with nothing else to do because they're in, you know, probably in some sort of bubble type setup. And again, they return home after going to, you know, kind of one of the worst places that you can sort of start your season. And of course, Baltimore being one of the worst places for other teams to start their season. Now they go on the road. So this number to me is inflated. I'm hoping it can get up to seven and a half, but it's certainly in contention at seven for a contest pick for me. Now on the Chiefs side of things, similar to- Hold on, before before we switch to the Chiefs for a sec though, there's something I want to touch on on this. And, And it's because you just made me think of, it was something you said, in relation to one of the games we were just talking about, but the number of seven. And as I think about what you just said in terms of, well, the number is seven, but that's a key number and that's a touchdown. So does that really mean they got to win by eight now? Right. But you can't win by eight. So does that mean 10? And when I view it through that lens, I'm like, Oh, okay. That forces me to pause and step back. And that's why I love this discussion. I love the ability, no, to be able to to like talk these things through because that makes total sense, right? Me just thinking, oh, they got to win by a touchdown. It's like, okay, yeah, but the actual number is seven. And if you're actually trying to win (laughs) and cover the spread, right, it's got to be more than seven. So I, I, I love what you're saying there. And especially if it goes to seven and a half, then you really got me saying, okay, well, you got to start thinking about taking the points for sure. Yeah. And that Chiefs game, right, is not seven and a half, it's eight and a half, right? Or sort of toggling around, you know, and you'll yeah. see when a number sort of starts at I eight and a half. I see it at nine right now, which is Yeah, it'll, I was just going to say, like, it will go to nine, it'll go to eight, it'll go, you know, because those are such dead numbers that it doesn't take much for a bookmaker to be like, yeah, I'll move the number. If they get a bet on the Chiefs, like, I'll move it up to, 10, to nine. Like, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. We talked about the teaser element too, right? Like, they want to go to nine so mm-hmm. that the tease number comes back down to minus three. And so, again, for me, this is a little bit different, right? Because the Chargers, you know, don't have the same level of quarterback play. Mm-hmm. They don't have the same level of home field advantage in that, you know, they're playing at a new stadium, right, in L.A., what seemed to be a pretty fast track, which is not something you want to have when you're going up against the Chiefs. Like I kind of rather them just play on the longer grass in Kansas City. But you do have a Chargers team that held Patrick Mahomes pretty tightly last year in a neutral site game in Mexico and a game towards the end of the season in Kansas City, where I believe he was one touchdown, one interception in both games and didn't crack 300 yards in either game. So from a sort of defensive plan standpoint, with the way that they're able to rush with Bosa and Ingram, like they do play this team relatively well, especially relative to the rest of the league. And so when you do start saying, okay, eight, eight and a half, nine, it is because it's really still a neutral field. Like that's why I, I'm not like, oh, like grab the Chargers plus the points, like blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I do think that like in this case, you're kind of obligated to take the underdog because I don't, you know, as much as I respect the Chiefs, listen, they don't cover every game. They certainly only cover about half the time, right? Yeah. And so for me, you know, the Chargers looked worse last week than I think that they actually are offensively because you do have to worry about the Anthony Lynn element and him just going for things and not having really a plan for it and trying to kick 50 yard field goals on the road, which again comes back to the whole 50 yard field goal uh, debate. And, you know, so 
it, it looked a lot sort of sketchier last week with the Chargers, but this is just a team that has played the Chiefs really well over the course of the last couple seasons. I like that. I like that. That's making me take the step back and look at these two home dogs that like my initial reaction is boom, but stop, take a second, look at the actual numbers that we're talking about and dealing with and not overreact to what we saw in week one, which part of that, if we're being honest, Chargers Bengals, we don't got to spend a lot of time on this Browns Chargers game or yeah, Browns Bengals game, but just in terms of last week, how that swung from Joe Burrow leading the drive down the field, they're about to cover, everything's great. Then you get the offensive pass interference call, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Which it's is that I want to talk about this Browns and Bengals game like a ton. Like, oh, uh, oh uh, yeah. okay. I think this is actually Let's really one of more interesting games based on the stuff that you and I like to talk about on this show, right? Okay. And public perception and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so let's look at this for a second. Right. And if you want to start, you know, pick a team to start with, but like, let's start with the Browns. Right. Because we just yep. talked about the Ravens. I mean, frankly, we just talked about the Chargers too, but you know, that game on surface looks like a massive blowout. Right. We talked about how from a metric standpoint, it was a little bit closerly played than, you know, we would think. And mm-hmm. you've got a team in Cleveland that they ran for 130 yards with their two running backs over the course of 20 carries, right? So they were working with a five point whatever yards per carry average against a really good Ravens team on the road. And it wasn't sort of lauded because it was split between two guys. So if it was say like Derrick Henry running 25 times for 130 yards and say the game was a little bit closer, right? It'd be like, oh, okay, like this guy had a big game, right? But because they split the carries 13 for Hunt, which is a little bit strange that he got more than Chubb did at 10, because they split those carries, like it was kind of ignored that the Ravens run defense was either not that great, which again, sort of applies to the Houston game that we just talked about. But moreover, that as bad as the Browns were, sort of from a scoreboard standpoint, obviously turned the ball over and Baker Mayfield wasn't very good. At least the run game was really good. And when you look at the Bengals against the Chargers last week, from a defensive standpoint, right, without Geno Atkins, their other defensive tackle was out of the game. And the Chargers ran a ton, right? They ran a lot with Austin Eckler. And people in the fantasy community were disappointed that they didn't get their 10 receptions from Austin Eckler, getting their PPR love, right? (laughs) And after the game, Anthony Lynn was like, listen, like we consider touches to be kind of equal, right? And we gave him, you know, whatever it was, 18 to 20 touches. And then the rookie at a UCLA, Kelly, he was gashing for some pretty big runs, right? And so clearly the Bengals' run defense isn't up to snuff, Ah, right? And so you go, okay, well, we don't necessarily need Baker Mayfield to be all that great. We just need them to work that ground game. And Kevin Stefanski, their new coach, is a very ground game oriented guy and he wants to run two tight ends. He wants to sort of play action pass and do all that kind of thing. And so, you know, if we could get Baker just with 20 pass attempts in this game (laughs) and right, the running game with splitting these two guys with say 15 to maybe even 18 each. Yeah. I think the Browns crushed the Bengals and you go, well, the Bengals look pretty good. Didn't they? And like a close game and like they could have, should have won or whatever. This is where the public perception thing comes in. I love this element. I was watching baseball last night on TSN here in Canada and a commercial comes up for the game tonight. And it's, you know, it said like Joe Burrow, I don't think they called him like electric or whatever, but like impresses in his debut. And I literally like stopped in my (laughs) living room and I was like, 
Is that what we think that was? Because Joe Burrow was at 88 yards in the middle of the fourth quarter. And yeah. listen, I cashed a Joe Burrow over rushing yards prop when he ran for that touchdown because Joe Burrow runs better than people think. And by the way, that number, speaking of perception, went from 14 and a half last week to 24 and a half. So okay. my guy's rush yard prop went 10 yards just because people <laughs> like weren't aware that he could run because he guess yeah. he's a white guy or something. I don't know what the deal was. So it's like... I mean, hold on. That never happens in public <laughs> perception, right? Right? No. Sneaky fast. Sneaky fast. So... <laughs> So I, and I'm saying, like, is that what people think? And you go, well, how did people watch that game last week, right? And they did it one of two ways. One, they watch it via red zone, which, of mm-hmm. course, interchanges the other two games. And, and, uh, and Arizona-San Francisco was far more entertaining from a red zone standpoint. And, of course, New Orleans and Tampa Bay was far more entertaining. Or they watched the, you know, Fox game of the week, which, of course, was Tampa and New Orleans. And then they flip over at the end to see, like, what's the close game at the end. And in this mm-hmm. case, it was Cincinnati and L.A. And they see, like, oh, Burroughs, like, coming down the field and this pass interference that, frankly, was pass interference. He pushed off. Like, the yeah. guy made the call really, like, right away. And, yeah, Bullock misses the kick to potentially force overtime. But... Like they were welcome to do something before that drive if they wanted to. They just didn't. And frankly, the Chargers blew every opportunity, right? Missed field goal, two missed fourth downs, even at the end where they were first and goal and they only kicked a field goal, which sort of felt like you're going to be in trouble here, right? Like, so the idea that Burrow's great, and again, I love Joe Burrow. I cashed a 50 to one Heisman ticket on Joe Burrow. He's my guy for life based on that. But I'm like, I'm watching this game, and that's just not how this worked. And now you're going from home to road with Cincinnati on a short week in a scenario where on Thursday, favorites cover more often than they do any other time because the better team is sort of in general more prepared. Like we talked about the Saints, right? They roll out of bed, and they can run their offense. Well, that's not necessarily yeah. the case with the Browns, but if all you have to do is turn, the, turn around and hand it off and do some work from that standpoint, to me – I grabbed it at five and a half earlier this earlier this week. Six is still good for me, right? Yeah. Six and a half and seven is where we sort of get into a sort of a gray area here. But I just think this is sort of a very public dog here on a Thursday that people see the Browns and are like, what? I can't, I'm not going to give points with the Browns. Like that yeah. to me is sort of the mainstream message in all of this. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see that being necessarily the case here. See, I like that. I'm on the same page with you because a lot of things were were coming into this, right? Like, I don't see the Browns going 0-2. So I see them coming out in a thing where, and and I know that's one of those narratives again, but the reason is it's just they're not as trash as we're, we're going to pile them on. You know what I mean? There's, right, there's yeah, elements yeah. of piling on the Browns because it's fun and making fun of Baker and laughing at Odell and whatever. But the reality is a lot of what you just said, especially about their new head coach, he's going to run the ball. Like if you just think of what a lot of their success was based on not allowing Kirk Cousins just to fuck things up, right? Yeah, honestly. And it's kind of the same thing. And it's so totally I look at the, the line, and, and again, I'm, I'm praising you in terms of getting me to think about the numbers. And it being at six still, I'm still comfortable in taking the Browns by six before it gets to that seven number, right? So sure. I'm totally with you there, totally like that. And – Again, Baker, just Baker, just chill out, man. Chill out. Yeah, and listen, again, going from road to in Baltimore, right, mm-hmm. to being back home against yeah. a team that is just, what, roughly a billion times worse than Baltimore, approximately, yeah. according to my math. Um, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to me, it's math a really great out. spot. Yeah. It's, and by the way, this line last week was seven and a half. 
Okay. This line was on the other side of that key number of seven. So you see what perception has done to drop that from seven and a half to six and a half to six oh. to five and a half. And now the money has moved it back up to six because we're like, wait a minute, this was seven and a half last week. What's really changed, right? Because really, yeah. what really has changed? If this was any other sport, NBA, NHL, baseball, mm -hmm. we wouldn't have these wild swings of opinion based on one game, right? Yeah. Fill in the blank, you know, Raptors go and they lose their first game. We're not like, terrible team, no chance. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, okay, like not an ideal start, but they play tomorrow and they'll bounce back before anybody kind of realizes it, right? In this case, because the magnifying glass is so you know, aggressive in the NFL, these things change so much. And it's like, I'm not surprised that they lost to the Ravens and the, the Ravens got a little loose, right? Yeah. And I'm certainly like not surprised that the Bengals weren't all that great. I'm surprised that people think that the Bengals were even kind of good. But you're uh, so right about how people watch the game and how that affects it because every promo is rookie Joe Burrow almost led the comeback and all that. And then yeah. the Browns, I'm telling you, people are waiting to pile. Like people don't like the cockiness of Odell or Baker. So they're waiting right. for them to fail. And that kind of adds into the snowball effect, waiting for them to, to mess up again. And I just don't see it, at least not in week two. So, yeah, I'm and again, you. opponent matters a ton. Huge, 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 huge. Uh, we talked about the old QBs last week. We look to our a couple old QBs yeah. this week in Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers. Both of them had really good week ones. Aaron Rodgers was, I mean, looking lights out, Aaron Rodgers. But this week, minus six at home to the Lions. I'm here for the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour, revenge tour. And as we keep up with the theme of me paying attention to the six before it gets to seven, yeah. hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the, the Packers. But in contrast, the Steelers minus seven and a half to the Broncos. And again, looking at the numbers, I'm like, uh, I, I pause at the point five. Sure. What are your thoughts as we look at both of these offenses and just these next games in week two in terms of the Packers and the Steelers? Sure, yeah. And, and very quickly, Broncos and Steelers is probably the game I like the least this week yeah. because of part of the reason that what you say, uh, you know, I'm – you know, I, I cashed with the Broncos. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should throw a ski mask on and kind of tiptoe <laughs> my way out of the building because, you know what I mean? Like that felt a little bit like stealing, but that's why you get the best of the number because these things sort of go the way that they go. And I'm not necessarily high on the Steelers either. So it's two, it's no. two teams that I'd love to bet against. One of them's getting seven and a half points. So sort of by rule, I would look to the Broncos. I found a rogue tease piece that had them plus 15 and a half. So that's Ooh. literally all that I've done or that I will do with the Broncos. I won't include them in a money line scenario. Yeah. I just grabbed the 15 and a half, threw it together with a couple other things. And I was like, that's it. That's all you're doing with regards to that. I'm intending that game to be essentially 20 to seven, right? With like yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. back door, like very low scoring, like that kind of thing. So, you know, from a big picture stuff with the quarterbacks, like I wasn't all that impressed with Ben on Monday yeah. night. Right. So it's, and, but whatever, it's his first game in a full year. He's got basically a robot radically reconstructive arm elbow situation going on there. I can't really blame him for any of that stuff. Right. I gotcha. That, right. But they're going from road to home short week. So, I mean, there's just a ton of things that some of it's going up and some of it's going down in their favor. Right. Cause Denver mm -hmm. also has a short week. So none of it's really, none of it really matters except for the fact that that sort of also to me, feels like sloppy game under type of a game because of no preparation essentially for either team. Yeah. 
The more interesting one for me is the Green Bay side of things because yeah. I'm just going to tell you this right now. I think Minnesota is going to be hot garbage this year. Oh. I don't like that. That defense is a shadow of its former self. Their offense is, you know, they have one plan, and if that doesn't work, it's not going to work. Like that of any game, the fact that that game was, what, a 10 or 11-point game was as cosmetic <laughs> as any game in the entire league last week i don't think minnesota's good at all and if you just sort of you know throw the tea leaves together when i talked about the colts being sort of better than people think you can figure out what i like in that game over there we don't even really need to talk about that because it's sort of all encompassing with all this other stuff yeah. and so aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback hall of fame like i'm not going to tell you that aaron Rodgers isn't a great quarterback i just think that he picked on a vikings team that couldn't rush the passer and that has a ton of new corners replacing corners that weren't very good last year. And yeah. so for me, it's like, listen, now they go home though. And they're playing Detroit. Now the whole thing with this game is how many guys on Detroit need to get injured before you and I are playing in the secondary. Right. Because <laughs> like they were like, I tweeted about it last week because I needed the bears in the tease piece at plus eight and a half. And mm -hmm. it didn't even look like that was going to come in. And I was like, really the lions are going to use half their team to beat the bears here. This is ridiculous. Cause they had so many guys go out before yeah. the game even started, right? Like their top pick Akuda, handful of guys in the defensive line, obviously Kenny Galladay from an offensive standpoint, and they were still killing the bears. And mm -hmm. then it just keeps going up, right? Trufant gets hurt for, for the lions. Um, they had a couple other like defensive backs get hurt. And you're just like, eventually like something's got to give here and sure enough it did right mitch trubisky threw two three touchdowns and Insane. they still should have won the game the lions <laughs> right like if swift just hangs on the ball a guy who could catch the ball out of the backfield of georgia if he just hangs on to the ball like they win the game anyway and the whole thing is sort of moot from that standpoint and so I don't know who's going to be on on the field for the lions i would love to take the lions plus yeah. six but I'm going to need the full version of the lines. And maybe that's why the line is six. And it's not like three, three and a half where I think it should be. Right. And so that's where I haven't made a bet on that at all. And I'm sort of like kind of back in the truck up going like, I'm not, I'm probably not going to touch this unless I get some sort of indication that the lions are full strength on defense, which, you know, if they're full strength or close to it, I, I'm getting the first half version of the Lions defense or am I getting the like Mitch Trubisky shredding you version yeah. of the defense, which I don't want at all. Right. The Lions offense is going to do Lions offensive type things. And I'm not afraid of the Packers defense. So, you know, I'm, I would say pump the brakes with the Packers, but I'm not going to be so like aggressive about it because I don't know who's going to play for the Lions at this point. Yeah. And that's kind of the key factor. Who's going to yeah. play? <laughs> yeah. Are you and I like the, the safety tandem this week? Yeah. Because if we yeah. are, they're in trouble. Because we don't yeah. have the lateral quickness that we used to. That there Trubisky thing caught me so off guard. I was just like, wait, what? Wait, what's going on here? Because yeah. it can't be possible that he's actually good, right? Like something's up. But and, and then you look into it and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is what's going on here. Yeah, because they have to go three wide, right? And then the Lions are like, well, I don't think we have three guys to cover that many wide receivers. And <laughs> that's where, you know, bleep hits the fan, right? Uh, so one last thing I learned from week one is that apparently – flopping is a thing in the nfl yeah. and you know this is kind of funny because late in the game if you go back to last week we were talking about the cowboys being overvalued but also people not really taking the rams as seriously as they should and i think both of those things kind of collided yeah and 
it does come down to this call where Michael Gallup and the push off and Jalen Ramsey pushing his head out and whatever, all that stuff. But when I look at week two matchups involving the Cowboys and the Rams, you got the Cowboys at home minus four to the Falcons. Yeah. And then you got the Rams plus one in Philly. A couple of things I'm going to say here, though, before, before I get your take and you tell me, as always, if I'm crazy or not, I have trouble betting on the Eagles to do anything until right. much like what you were just saying about, you know, the, the lions who's playing for their team, right? right. What does their O-line consist of who like, there's just so many question marks with the Eagles. I have trouble taking them to win any game. Sure. Especially after losing to Washington, but with the, from the Cowboys side of things, minus four, four is a weird, 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 weird number. And what I want to ask you is about this concept of the Vegas zone, I think popularized by, I don't know, Sal and Simmons. Simmons, yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. the number of four, that's just odd to me, right? Well, it, be- it becomes even stranger when you factor in that this was six and a half earlier this week. Okay. And so this thing has moved a great deal. I was able to sort of jump on the train at six. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. Now that it's down to four... I would actually probably lean Cowboys because I don't really trust the Falcons in any way defensively. It just felt like touchdown, you know, full six points of touchdown was really high in a game that is going to be, should be points, 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 right? And when you get into that shootout zone where no one can stop anybody and, you know, it gets to that point where you go, okay, like I can't give six points in a game that is going to be 42 42 at some it might point, just come right? down to whoever has the ball last yeah yeah or who's forced to take a field goal early on right where it gets into that three one team's up three the other team's up four the other team's up three the other team's up four right yeah and again the number matters so i don't think you can take four with the falcons that's just mm-hmm. how i go about my business right yeah and yeah. so for me, it's like I've, I've done what I can do with taking the six with the Falcons. And then that's mm-hmm. just kind of it for me. Is there a you. possible way where I would come back on the Cowboys? Like if it got to three, I would probably come over the top and bet the Cowboys. And that's where we sort of talk about number really matters. Right. Yes. And so um, that other game, though, to me is the more interesting one. And there's sort mm-hmm. of two games on the board this week are what I call not I call them, but are what are called public dogs, right? Where everybody goes like, I'll take the points with that. Like they're, you know, not everybody's trying to get the favorite all the time. They're trying to mix in some underdogs. And there are ones that everybody just kind of, you know, gravitates to. One of them talked about it, right? Minnesota plus three seems really juicy against the Colts. For me, I'm going to be using the Colts in everything that I do at minus three. The other one was the Rams because the Rams were four point underdogs and I bet it, I grabbed that four mm-hmm. as of what Sunday night, essentially. And so I grabbed that four and it now comes all the way down to the point where the Rams are actually like favored and it's sort of toggled between minus one on either side. But at that point, right, it ceases to be all that important. Yeah. And for me, now that I'm looking at this going, okay, I grabbed that number because that number was just too high. It doesn't mean that I don't think the Eagles win the game. It just means that four, four you know, them being favored by four is a little outrageous, right? Yeah. I actually do like the Eagles in this game because okay. their expectation to get Lane Johnson back, right, and get Miles Sanders back for me in – Yeah, and we're moving again from road to home, right? And as much as, you know, they lost to the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team, um, 
you know, they were still dominating that first half. Not dominating, but they were still up a fair amount in that first half. It's like 17 nothing, no? No, exactly. It isn't a situation where, like, oh, the Eagles stink. Like, they lost to the Washington football team, blah, 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 blah. And frankly, like, yeah, the Rams, we were on it. That was a great spot for them, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in football, like, we talk about spots. And in this case, the spot for the Rams last week is sort of diametrically opposite to this week. Now they're going across country against a team that frankly is a little bit upset and a little bit embarrassed. And for me with professional sports, especially the NFL, because you have the week to stew on it, being embarrassed is the key, right? (laughs) To finding teams motivation, money, whatever, the checks are going to come in, the coach yelling at them doesn't really matter. But when you get embarrassed, when you lose to the Washington football team, that's disgraceful. And you're going to like really hear about that the rest of the week yeah as you mentioned you talk about the the narratives of a team uh being embarrassed the week before that makes me think of i remember seeing the stories last year of mitch trubisky talking about how he the 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 story leaked out about going into the team cafeteria and whether it was espn or nfl network was on and they were trashing their team and he walks in and turns off all the tvs but it, it just goes to show a a team and players having to hear themselves being dissed every single day for a week because there's so much time in between your games. If you're the Eagles and you just got embarrassed by the Washington football team, again, a team that doesn't even have a name, that's how much of an embarrassment of an organization they've been. Yeah. You're the Eagles. You can't go down. You can't be 0-2. You got to come back, bounce back. And plus, we're talking about injuries, but those are two key dudes coming back into the lineup. For sure. With that number messing around, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. It's interesting for sure. Um, yeah, it's such a power move to like for the line to move to one side, and I completely understand why the, that line moved to one side. But like, mm-hmm. this is still a decent team in the Eagles, right? This isn't totally. a team. This isn't a garbage team getting blown out because you can get blown out and be embarrassed. But if you stink. Like that, that's just how your life is going to be. But when you're the Eagles and you go, okay, just, we need to tighten a couple of things up here and we're getting a couple of key guys back. Mm-hmm. To me, this is a really interesting spot for them. Question for you too, talking about spots, Rams at home versus Cowboys, Cowboys almost winning that game. But now you're talking Rams on the road against the Eagles. How do you see the Eagles in comparison to the Cowboys? Right, like that's kind of a play to, to think about that matchup as well. Just in terms of, well, I the Eagles could be as good as the Cowboys. No, yeah, and I think that's a thing that people sort of fall into. And okay. I, I'm glad that you sort of bring that up because like, yeah. it isn't sort of A is better than B, B is <laughs> better than C, so A must be better than C, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. we see this all the time in the NFL, just in general, where team will win on the road. And then in the divisional rematch later on in the season, you go, oh, well, now they're at home. So like, they must beat them because they beat them at, you know, Carolina beat Tampa on the road. So like, they're definitely going to win at home. And then the road team wins again. Like, you know, these things restart zero, zero, right? And there's different matchups. And like you mm-hmm. said, like there's different situations and that's what the, that's what the spot indicates. Yeah. Right. And so like, are we going to get the best game from the Rams in week one? Like, yeah, like that was a really good performance from them. And even then they kind of almost blew it Mm -hmm. and, you know, almost lost. And so now you go, okay, they've won. And they're sort of the term, right? Fat and happy. And now they're fat and happy. They won that first game against, you know, America's team on Sunday night football. And now you go and you're playing sort of this, you know, empty stadium on the road, like big flight that you had. You haven't traveled at all because we haven't even done preseason. 
at any mm -hmm. point, right? You've just been sort of in your cocoon. And, you know, but a week ago, right? Nobody thought all that much of the Rams, right? They were the sucker bet, you know, to avoid, yeah. right? The, the Cowboys were the sucker bet of the week last yeah. week. And now that's the fun part about the NFL for me and the spots where we take advantage, where we go, you know, wait a minute, a week ago, like this team had no chance against the Cowboys. And now the Eagles have no chance against the Rams. Like that doesn't seems fishy from a logic standpoint. Right. But we get sort of caught up in, well, they beat the Cowboys. They'll beat the Eagles because the Eagles lost to the Washington football team. Like that's, yeah. you know, logically that makes sense. Well, we are not here for logic. We're here for <laughs> value. And yes. at no point is this that's a game, bar right there. Yeah. At no point has this game been or ever thought to be a pick em game, right? This should be Eagles minus three. It shouldn't be any lower than, it shouldn't be any higher than that. It shouldn't have been four at the time. And you could talk me into two and a half or even two based on the fact that there's no home field advantage. But it shouldn't be pick and it shouldn't be the Rams going all the way to that favored side. Now, again, the Rams might win the game. That wouldn't be all that surprising to me, right? It's the NFL. Any of these teams can beat either any We're other team. value. Right. But from a value standpoint, when we need sort of as best of a number as possible, I will lean to the Eagles here. And if you're going to give me a point or make this a pick em, I just think Eagles win this sort of 60, 65% of the time. And I rather just be on that side. And that's where one of the important lessons that I know I've learned, especially from you, is just sometimes even if you make a bet going in and it doesn't work out, that still doesn't mean that your take on the play was wrong or incorrect. It just sure. didn't work out that time. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like going in, it's like, Oh, I'd make that bet again. Like if we're give me the exact same scenario, totally sure. fine making that bet again. So I, yeah. I hear and, you. I understand. Yeah, I mean, you mix in different teams, right. And I sort of say like, these are the types of things like mm -hmm. this weekend will create a different type of scenario for next weekend to take advantage of a similar thing. And if it doesn't work this week, it'll work next week, it'll work the week after that. It's long-term, these sorts of angles are the type of thing that are going to get you to 55 to 60%, yeah. right? There's no such thing as 100%. Otherwise, I would just sit back and this would be the only game that I bet this week. <laughs> and I take my one and O record for like a mm -hmm. billion dollars and then just kind of move on with my life, right? It's just yeah. finding these spots and finding this value so that you become the 60% instead of the 40%. And uh, speaking of, I guess this is as good of a time as any to mention the fact that last week in my week one of publicly making picks, terrible at eight, seven, and one last week, but Not hey, we'll take it. I'll take it. No, no, no. I'll take it. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you, Rusty, as we go along doing this, anytime I'm over 500, I'm taking that. I'm just being for honest sure. with you for sure. So for sure. eight, seven, and one, I'm in. But that leads us to our sucker bet of the week as we do a little bit of house cleaning at the end of the pod each week. Last week, 1-0 record as you told us, sucker bet of the week was everyone's going to be on the Cowboys, everyone's going to be feeling good, uh, talking about the Cowboys and not paying attention to the Rams. So after going 1-0 on the sucker bet of the week last week, week two, what do you got for us? Well, I think that's it, isn't it? I think it's back to the Rams, but this time on the other side. And again, ah, that's indicative of you. what we're doing here and why I like sports betting more than I like just picking a team and riding with them. Because yeah. if I don't like the Rams one week, I don't have to be on the Rams. And so while yeah. I liked them last week, I think this is a spot where, again, 
this lot of people, right? And we've seen the line move. A lot of people are going to be on the Rams here. Now there's some obvious other ones, right? And we talked about the home underdog element, you know, yeah. everybody's going to be on the Ravens. Everybody's going to be on the chiefs, right? And when you're sort of parlaying those together or doing kind of with some wacky stuff, right? That's where one of those teams ends up jamming you up. Right. Yep. And so, yeah, those are elements, right. Talked about the, you know, a lot of people loving the Vikings at plus three, just assuming that we're talking about the Vikings team from the last few years. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Right. So an interesting week where there isn't necessarily just a full bore, you know, sort of a short type line, right. We always have to be worried about the three point line where everybody's on the favorite oftentimes yep. on the road. Like there isn't really that line out there this week. So for me though, it is that, that, the, the everybody's seeing on Sunday night football, right? And that's obviously the most watched yep. game of the week. Everybody's seeing that the Rams look pretty good mm -hmm. and seeing that the Eagles lost. To me, I think, you know, you don't have to bet the Eagles, yeah. but I don't, you can't bet the Rams here. Can't I do gotcha. it. I like it. I like it. I like it. And the last thing was survivor pick. Big pool. There's big news, right? Because obviously, yeah. was it the top pick? Were the Colts the top pick last yeah. week? They're yeah, out. so the, they went down. the Circus Survivor, the one that you and I and a handful of uh, our, our Friends of the Window podcast mm -hmm. uh, are all sort of in the mix. And it was 420 out of the 1,390. So the okay. most popular pick. And listen, if anybody's in a Survivor pick or pool, you know, you know, right? If there's 100 people in your pool, you probably saw 30 of them at least take the colds. Yeah. And so big wipe out there. Uh, Eagles were another one that wiped a lot of people out. And so mm -hmm. over 40% of Jeez. the 1,390 are already out of the contest. <laughs> Luckily, we survived with a pretty sweat-free one with the Bills. Got them out Shout of out the to the Jets. Shout out to the Jets. Which is nice. Um, and yeah, and so for this week, uh, I haven't made it official because again, it's Thursday morning. I've got time it's to Thursday. think about it. Tons but for me, it's either going to be that Bucks game that we talked about, because I do think that the Bucks win that game. Again, not looking to lay the points necessarily, but in a game that in a sport where I'm normally all about getting the points, I'm not going to be betting Carolina again unless it gets to 10. And so that's a candidate. But the one that I sort of was thinking about going with since last week, and I would really be kicking myself if I didn't, and then say Carolina's offense did just enough to beat the Bucks, if Tom's mm -hmm. going to throw some more pick sixes and all of that kind of thing, yeah. is the Arizona Cardinals. And we talked about it briefly, okay. but we did it more in the form of the 49ers in that this Cardinals team is, I think, pretty legit. And they're going, you know, unlike most teams that looked good, who looked good at home and are now going on the road, it's the opposite for the Cardinals. They're going from the road where they get a road upset to home against a Washington football team that might be overvalued just because they beat the Eagles. Now, as much as they get sort of full value for beating the Eagles, that was really one good half from the football team. And two, <laughs> the best thing that the football team does is their defensive line, right? And the yeah. pressure that they get. They sack Carson Wentz eight times, right? They're pretty deep. Well, the Cardinals have you know, run at a pace that should tire out that Redskins, God, I did it again, that Washington football team yep. uh, defensive line so that they're going to take the starch out of them there the same way that they took the starch out of the 49ers, right? 49ers have a pretty good defensive line too, right? Yes, they and they were able to do just enough to sort of not allow them to wreck that game. So when you're taking away the best thing that the Washington football team does, 
And, you know, mobile quarterback, which, you know, Carson Wentz is a mobile quarterback, but he's had a surgery or two and one on his knee and all of that kind of thing. It's a different deal. Like you watch Kyler Murray, my guy goes, right? And so he's, and they're obviously have taken this sort of, you know, hood or however you want to put it off of him. Mm -hmm. And now they're letting him run because last year they didn't let him run all that much, right? But he's carrying the ball with like 10 times, 90 yards, something along those lines. And for me, the Washington football team's not going to be able to do what they did defensively against the Eagles the way they're going to have to do it against the Cardinals, right? And from an offensive standpoint, the Washington football team didn't look great. I was disappointed. That was one of the few props. Went 10-3 and three in single-game props last week. One Ooh. of the three was a Haskins over because, again, I expected – and listen, his number wasn't particularly high. It was like 220 or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, I expected a better pace and sort of better production, and he just didn't do enough in the first half to come anywhere close to that. But the point is, is it's not like their offense was great against the Eagles. So I'm expecting, you know, sort of a mediocre showing again, like a 13 points type of an effort from Washington, whereas I think the Cardinals can get up to like 27. And so minus six and a half and the survivor pick probably is going to be the Cardinals in part because again, we're trying to win a survivor pool. We're not just trying to survive a survivor pool. So you got to use teams that you don't necessarily want to use late in the year, because all it takes is some sort of Kyler Murray injury in week four. And no matter the matchup, the rest of the season, it becomes a lot dicey. Right. So for me, I rather sort of use them, get that out of the way, but the same applies for Tampa. So it's really, it's really between the two. Okay. I like those. I like those for sure. That is a solid pick again. And this has been a lot of fun, man. I really enjoy this. And I like how even as I'm throwing things out and we talk it through, I'm like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's like, it's, it's perfect for exactly what I envisioned. And in terms (laughs) of just us having like, this is, I, I know this sounds like a cliche thing that people say on podcasts all the time, but this is actually the conversations that we would act, we would have when we work right. together. I would come in on the Monday and be like, oh man, I screwed up on this. I screwed up on that. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We'd laugh and whatever. And I'd scold you. I'd be like, how <laughs> dare you take the three or give the three with Tennessee? Like, I'm, have I not taught you anything? Is what, is what we'd say. And would be like, oh. yeah, man, I'm sorry. Like, you would apologize to me. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I was like, God, I turned, you learn nothing here. Oh, but man. man, yeah, this is, oh, this is turning into the thing I like look forward to the most. And I love yeah. talking about with you every Thursday. This is fun. It's a lot of fun for sure, man. But in terms of the window, what do you got going on? Obviously NBA playoffs or the conference finals are now up and running. Kawhi, oof, what happened there? So much right. going on, but talk to me about the window pod. What you guys got going on there? What you got going on there? Pardon me. Well, and I mean, where people can find it, man, every day. Yeah, first and foremost, if you missed Tuesday's episode, you really failed yourself because my man Sheldon Alexander was on that one. And we got deep into the recesses of the NBA, as everybody who's listening to this knows my guy's capable of doing, right? But we took it to a gambling element, right? We got Mm -hmm. there with the heat in game one, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we spent like 20 minutes talking about our boy Jimmy Jimmy Butler. And sure enough, right, he gets the and one, the key to the game. Um, Things get really sort of hectic in that one. For me, uh, spoiler alert, I like the Celts tonight, and I talk about why in the show today. Today's show, 
was wild because I was literally kind of going through and I'm like, there are so many sports going on. I was like, am I forgetting a sport? And I was literally like listing the sports, right? I was like, hey, we talked about baseball, like on the podcast because there's just so much going on. And yeah. so really quick episode today because, you know, there's one hockey game, one basketball game, one football game. Mm-hmm. Um, Wednesday's episode, if you're, you're into sports betting, if you're into sort of, you know, career choices and career stories, I had Colin Wilson from the Action Network on. Okay. And over the summer, I did a handful of these sort of bios of different people in the sports betting industry, people who are in theory here to help you win money, not unlike, you know, you and I are right now with people, yeah. right? And because there's no sports on, listen, a lot of people were really generous with their time, right? Mm-hmm. Chad Millman from formerly of ESPN, of the Action Network, runs that now. Preston Johnson, a professional better who's on ESPN's Daily Wager, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I got Colin Wilson, who's on the Action Network, and we were talking about golf primarily, right? Because okay. U.S. Open this week. And the idea is he and I both have the same strategy with regards to golf, and that's live betting. Okay. So the important thing there is that if you missed it, it's not like you missed us just giving out a handful of plays before the tournament started and it's too late. It's not, right? He t- we both talk about how we make bets on Thursday, Friday, and for me, Saturday, him even Sunday morning, right? Which is yeah. still applicable right now as we throw out a bunch of different guys that we are keeping our eye on either to get a better price or to wait and see if they're actually going to contend. And so really interesting okay. from that standpoint. But he also talked about how, you know, nobody wakes up in, when they're seven years old and goes, I want to be a sports better, <laughs> right? Like nobody goes like, I want to be a professional sports better when I grow up, or I want to do this, whatever, right? We all want, in theory, doctors, nor, whatever, et cetera. And so his story on sort of how he had a really sort of pretty good career going mm-hmm. through his late 20s and how he was just like, all right, like, I just want to do this. I just want to be in sports betting and sort of talking about going to Vegas and schmoozing different um, bookmakers and stuff and really interesting story. So um, we did a good hour with him. He's, you know, really nice guy, generous with his time. Um, but point is, you can find that along with the one I did with you on Tuesday and anything Monday to Friday. And the Sunday show is sort of the it's kind of the big one right now because that's, you know, we talk theoretically and I sort of say who I like and who I don't like in this episode and sort of throughout the week. But on Sunday, it's like, all right, these are the plays. These are my five circuit yeah. contest against the spread plays that I'm using. Here are the last cuts. Here are the most popular plays in the contest for other people. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of decide whether you want to fade or follow those. And I kind of give my impressions on whether I like or you know, disagree or agree with any of those. And we start, you know, and we talk teasers, we talk, you know, underdog money lines, you know, the stuff that kind of can juice up your weekend. If you have a mediocre against the spread weekend, but you hit a couple money lines or you hit a couple of teasers, something along those lines, right? And last week I even introduced props and I just mentioned it before, right? I did basically one or two props per game in the afternoon those went 10 and 3 and so it's never going to be that good because we're talking week one here where like i said with the joe burrow thing now the lines are getting adjusted and people think like the adjusted lines for the spreads are one thing but everything gets adjusted right Mm -hmm. props numbers get adjusted the same way that 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 against the spread numbers do as well so anything you know spotify google apple like the whole thing basically wherever you're listening to this you can find us, right? Just type in the window sports. I got an email or a, sorry, a DM from a guy the other day who was asking me, he's like, I've got this free bet from uh, a website. It's 500 bucks. Like, how should I play this? Da, 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 da. And I sort of answered the question and he's yeah. like, 
And I was like, how did you hear about the podcast? Like, where are you from? How do you hear about the podcast? And he's like, oh, I just searched it. I was just searching for betting podcasts and it pops hey. right up. So it's not necessarily a word of mouth thing the way we're doing it right now. But like, you know, the search function works pretty well. And I was like, okay, sweet. And so you just have to type in the window and maybe just throw sports in there or betting and it'll pop right up. I'm at Mrus Authentic, M-R-U-S-S Authentic. I saw in your description last week, you had it under Matt russ authentic so (laughs) so maybe if you saw last week's show or you listened to last week's show and you're like i can't find this guy that's the difference (laughs) uh we'll tighten that up my boy amateur operation am i running over here well it's that's understandable (laughs) right and so you can follow me through sheldon because you you know he's he's got my uh my twitter feed as well um so yeah and i throw plays up there right so obviously not everything i can get to in the morning podcast a lot of baseball stuff Mm-hmm. Um, college football because of COVID, I've gotten mm-hmm. to a point where it's like I can mention it on Thursday, but I can't make any official bets until yeah, Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. And talked a little bit with that about uh, with Colin Wilson about that as well. So um, tons going on over the window Monday through Friday plus Sunday podcasts. It's a real scene. That's amazing, man. And for sure, if you're someone that's listening to this podcast right now, though NFL, that Sunday morning pod sounds like a must listen for sure just to get your last info in right and and find out what you're really doing on sunday afternoons that's amazing man i like that setup for sure again that's matt russell sports betting professional the host of the window sports betting podcast mr russell thank you again for tuning in and for those that might not know my name is sheldon alexander you can find me on twitter at shell alexander on instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And yeah, this is part of the On Blast Podcast Network. We still got things going. We got uh, the Ball On Blast Podcast with Andrew Webster going on once a week. We talk about everything going on in the NBA. And uh, yeah, we got that going on in this as well. I'll name this football pod later. <laughs> as I always say to close out each and every week, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the I'll name this pod later podcast on the on blast podcast network as always unpolished and unapologetic until next time see ya on blast